Well, here we are. Let the daddy-daughter camping weekend begin. Awesome. I'm so excited. I know. Me too. <laughs> Dad? Yes, honey? What's going on? What do you mean? What are we doing? We're camping. Are we going to get out of the car? No. <laughs> no, it, it's way too dangerous out there. What's dangerous? What's dangerous? Uh, do you see the plants everywhere? There's literally millions of insects hiding out there, and every one of them is just dying to plunge its needle snout into your skin and suck your blood. All the while squirting unholy diseases into your veins. Is that what you want? And then there's the razor sharp rocks that you could skin your knees on. That cut gets infected, bam, gangrene. You lose a leg. Do you like your legs? Do you like your legs or not? Yes, I like my legs. And then there's the bears, the wolves, the rats, the coyotes, the terrorists. You don't want to go out there. Can we at least open a window? Pollen, mold, airborne diseases, smog. Fine. Hot dog? No, thank you. You know, Dad, it's hard to live your life if you never get out of the car. So we got choices, don't we? You know anybody like that? Just scared of their own shadow. They're just, they're scared to do anything. They just want to be bubble wrapped in life. And you know, we, we have choices. Everything in life, there are so many choices. Life is just so full of choices. I mean, how many do we make a day? You chose to come to church today. Awesome. Thank you. We, we get to decide. This morning at four something, when I woke up and my knee was throbbing, and then my brain started going to now, and it was just like, I had a choice. I could try to go back to sleep for a, just a few minutes before my alarm went off, or I could get up. And so I slid out of bed at four something this morning. It's choices. Now, what's so funny about choices is sometimes they intersect, don't they? Sometimes what you're wanting to happen happens, and, and then it's like, well, dang, why did that happen? What I mean by that, just, to, just the alarm, for example. It drives me crazy when I wake up 25 minutes before my alarm goes off. Man, I could have slept 25 more minutes. Like, dang it, and I'm already awake. But guess what happens when my alarm goes off? Dang, my alarm just went off. It's kind of funny how our choices, they, they kind of interact and in, intersect and, and everything is kind of relative. But we got to live in this life. The bottom line is, I, I, I think 
that we have a choice to decide how we live wherever we are at. There are so many people, and there are so many saints, I will call them. You know who I'm talking about. They live through life, and it doesn't matter what is thrown at them, they always have such a happy and peaceful disposition. I mean, it's like their, their dog gets run over, and they, their, their car ran in the ditch, and their other car won't start, and, and then when you run across them, it's like, is it not just such a beautiful day? How do people do that? They are choosing to live in the moment. And most of those people, when they're like that, they are godly people. They're walking around with a spirit that fills them up that is somewhat uncomprehendable. You know, I had a uh, boss one time. He was kind of a mentor of mine, and, and he kind of had a saying, and we joke about it, that choices, Langham, you got choices. Everything's about choices. Now, in my line of work for many years, there's a lot of split-second choices to be made, but most of the time when he was sharing that, it's about living life, about deciding how we're going to navigate this life. You know, our, I, I talk about our young people a lot, and, and it's just what they are facing and what is thrown into them. They, they are trying to be distracted by so many choices, and, and life wants to tell them that it doesn't matter what choice they're making. It's not good enough. It frustrates me so much. I spent actually uh, 18 months in a high school uh, teaching, and, and now I've been in a community college, to hear a young person go, well, it doesn't matter what choice I make anyway. It just doesn't matter. And that just breaks my heart that they feel like that they're in a position that it does not matter. Now, you got some people on the end of the spectrum, they say, man, God controls everything, and God does. And God has a plan, and God does, so I don't want to say that, that he doesn't. But I also believe that God gives us the ability to choose. I think we navigate our life, and we get to kind of play a part in our story by the choices that we make. It started from the beginning, from the beginning of creation. Obviously, the, the fall of man, it all started with a choice. So we get to intersect with that choice. And this is my first slide from, for you. It's out of Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, I don't have time to unpack all that. That's in Genesis 2. If you want to, we can do a whole sermon on that. But that's not where my focus is. But we know the rest of the story. Serpent comes along, tricks Eve. God doesn't want you doing that because he doesn't want you to have the same knowledge he has. You know how much better it's going to be? Just like society tricks, our, tricks everybody now. Hey, it's going to be better if you do this. It's going to be better if you do that. Now, we can have a whole argument. Was it the man's fault or was it the woman's fault? You know, the woman, she did take, take it. But if you read the scripture, the man's standing right there with her. So he is just as guilty he didn't need any convincing so 
right there we see we have choices. Now, some people will start going into the why. You know, why, why did God let them do that? Why, why, why did God let the serpent even have his dominion and, and the devil? And, and you can start getting into those why for and how come questions. We don't need to go there, in my opinion. Because we don't want to be live a life where we don't have a choice. We got to be careful there. If we, if we want a life where God controls every little detail and God is in complete control, so don't go out of here going, I just sat through a church service and a pastor said God's not in control. No, no, no. But God does give us choices. Because without those choices, we're nothing more than robots. And I don't think any of us want to live like that. So we get to play a part in making choices. God loves us. And he wants us to follow him. He wants us to make the decision to follow him. And I think he makes it so appealing that once you unpack it, there really is no other choice once you know what God really is and who he is and what he's done for us and how much he wants to be a part of our life. We call this faith. We call this faith. What, what is your faith, some people will say. If you're a Christ follower, and I hope you are, that means that you put your faith in Jesus. Bless you. God bless you. And he's one of them. <laughs> but all of our choices, they have consequences, don't they? Good and bad. Now, I had a choice one evening to choose to go over and talk to a young lady who I didn't know her name was Renee. That turned out to be a pretty good consequence. It worked out good for me. Now, Renee, on the other hand, I'm sure there's plenty of times she goes, man, if I just wouldn't have made that phone call back, my life probably would be so much better off. Every choice has a consequence. So we're going to read about the apostles today, and, and they're in a boat, and spoiler alert, it's, it's where Jesus basically walks on water. But I want to kind of give a little backstory before we get to that scripture. Because what Jesus says to Peter at the end of the scripture reading, it, it's kind of like, well, man, that's, that's kind of harsh, Jesus. There's a whole book out there called Hard Sayings of Jesus, and and when Jesus comes at Peter, he's like, man, I, I don't know. If I was Peter, I, I think I probably would have reacted the same way. But when we unpack it and we look at what was going on before they were in that boat, it kind of helps you understand why Jesus said what he said. Jesus comes on the scene and he starts calling his disciples in the ministry. And then he starts performing miracles. His first miracle, he turns water into wine. When the miracle we're going to read about today is, if you put them in chronological order, this is his 20th miracle. And as best we can tell, all of his miracles, uh, at least most of them, were performed in front of the disciples. So they got to see the power of Jesus firsthand. And just think about, um, I'm sorry, I got a slide for you. So this is only, there's 37 miracles recorded in the Bible. And we know that there's many more because of the gospel writer. 
John, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. So there are a tremendous amount of miracles that we don't even know about. But the miracle we're going to read about today is the 20th one that these disciples had seen. Now most of Jesus' miracles are instantaneous. Most of them, uh, when he cast out a demon or he heals a blind man, most of them were almost instant. Most of them, except if you think about turning the water into wine, think about that miracle. What does it take to make wine? If you think about it, what is it? All right, let's, let's not so speak. What does it take to make grape juice? You got to grow a vine. You got to plant a seed. It's got to grow. Then there has to be a grape, and then it has to be processed. Then it goes in the wine. Instantly, Jesus turns water into wine. And go back and read that story. If you notice, why did Jesus do that? You remember that part where uh, Mary, his mother, comes to him and said, hey, we're out of wine. You've got to turn the water in there or turn the water to wine. Or she said, you've got to do something is what she says. And he says, woman, my time has not come yet. And did she say anything else? Go back and read that. No. She just turns to the workers and says, do what he says. And he turns that water into wine. So why did Jesus turn Water into wine? Because his mama told him to. All right, that's for all you moms out there. So we're on the heels of what we're getting ready to see. Jesus feeds 5,000 right before they get into this boat that we're getting ready to feed. Now, I know how that story would go. Think about it. You've got the gospels walking around. He, I mean the gospel. The disciples walking around. They're, they're All of a sudden, they're passing out loaves of bread and they only have a few loaves of bread and a, and, and a couple of, of fish. And can you imagine as they're walking back and getting ready to get in this boat, like, Philip, are you sure that there were only five fish? To which Philip probably would have said, Andrew, you know, you saw it yourself. It's like it was just an endless basket. We only started with five. He just fed 5,000 people right before they get into this boat. Now, why were there 5,000 people there? Because they were hearing about his miracles. Yes, they came to hear this man preach, but they came to hear this man preach that was performing miracles, that was doing ministry like no other, that was loving on people that nobody had loved on. So now, we get to our scripture reading today. Kind of setting that stage. It was just one miracle after another. This is the 20th such miracle. And I'm reading out of Matthew chapter 14. Starting at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God. Allow me to pray, please. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for so many awesome stories of your miracles. I pray that when we read these words, they're, they're not like a fairy tale to us. That they come to life. That we realize that you are the God of miracles. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You of little faith, why do you doubt? I mean, can you imagine? Can, I don't think any of us can imagine. Can you imagine being in that boat and seeing it? Much less getting out and walking on the water. So when you first read this, and if you just read this little passage here, it would be real easy to go, well, man, he's pretty rough on Peter. I mean, how many of us can walk on water? I'm sure somebody's thinking of a story somewhere where somebody looks like they've walked on water or something like that. We can't. And if you swim like I do, I swim like an anchor. Now, I'm a pretty good swimmer uh, considering that I don't float. I'm not buoyant, and I found this out one day in a class. Even with a PFD, I had a near-drowning experience. So I can't even imagine. I, and, and if I'm fully honest, with my, my kids and, and family, I've, I've went with them on a whitewater rafting trip after that experience in the same river. Whew, I had to man up and go on that one. It was like everything in me thinking about what could go wrong, what I knew had happened to me in these very waters. If I was out there and here comes what looked like a ghost, I probably would have been one of the white knuckle people in that boat. I would have been hanging on for dear life going, this is it. They thought they were going to die. And then when they see Jesus walking on water, they think it's a ghost. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, he's still not sure. If it's you, call me out. And he did. And he walks on that water. So I think Peter gets a little bit of a bad rap here. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus was wrong. He said he had little faith and he should have more faith. But do we get out of the boat? Or do we hang on to that boat of whatever is the same for dear life? Does God lay something in front of us and everybody around us is going, man, God is all over this. This is amazing. This is your opportunity. And we're still hanging on for dear life. So I wonder who you would have been in the boat. Honestly, I, I, I listen to this story, and sometimes I've been both. Because we know sometimes that God gives us choices, and doors open, and we find ourselves in wonderful situations. 
But that doesn't mean that something's not right around the corner, does it? Nothing in this beautiful story does it say that if you put your faith in Jesus that you're not going to have struggles in this life. That's why we need Jesus. Because we are going to have struggles in this life. Now we got a gift, especially if we're a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, I, I wish you would come talk to me and I'd love to talk to you more about that and, and dive into that. But if you are a Christ follower, then we have a gift that these disciples, when we're reading this story, they didn't know the end of the story yet. They didn't know the amazing miracle that Jesus was getting ready to do on that cross throughout his ministry. They didn't know that he was going to die and be raised from the dead. Think about it. When he got in that boat, it says all of them started worshiping him. You are God. I mean, man, they were probably floating around after that. I mean, can you imagine just to, if you watch The Chosen, I, I, I like watching The Chosen because it kind of brings it to life a little bit and been watching it here on Wednesday some and I find myself when I read Jesus' voice now, I put it in that guy's kind of uh, accented voice. And, but can you imagine when they got to land? I mean, it's like, man, we're walking with Jesus. He walks on water. He calms the wind. I mean, they had to just be floating. They had to feel like nothing could take them down. But we do know the rest of the story. They all at some point deserted him. Because life does get hard. But they didn't know the rest of the story yet. We do. Those of us that put our faith in Christ, we do. So, what do we do? How do we face our choices? I hope that you face your choices with prayer. I, I, I think I've shared that with you, that sometimes pastors are not the best prayers. They're not the best quiet time. Devote a, a, a solid time to just praying. I'm, I'm starting to learn that. I thought pastors, Ellis, I thought you pastors just like prayed every day for like seven hours and then you met with us people. And I'm finding out that's not the case because they're, they're always on a go and they're, they're getting tugged here and, and getting tugged there. But man, I am learning so much more. It's like God is just opening my eyes of the power of prayer. If you haven't been to our prayer fellowship time, I don't think there's a Sunday that we've left in the last few weeks that we haven't walked away wiping our eyes because how powerful it's been. And sharing some of the miracles that we're hearing. Prayer is a powerful thing. So if you're facing a choice, I think sometimes even if we're facing good choices, we forget to pray. It's so easy to do life and just kind of put God in this box. Okay, we're going to show up on Sunday. Hey, we're going to be there on Wednesday. We're having our big fall kickoff, and the pastor's not here. Okay, anyway, we'll forget about last Wednesday. But we kind of put church into our church box. That's okay. You can put church in your church box, but don't put God in the box. God is meant to be walking with us with every one of our decisions. And as we get to make our choices, I don't think God wastes anything. That's part of God's plan. And what I mean by that is, so sometimes, somebody set me up. I'm about to trip up here. 
sometimes we go, how can this be? This is so awful. Paul, Paul, I'm sorry. I didn't know you was going to be here. You know, I, I came from a broken home. My parents split up, and I was young enough, man, it rocked my world. Like, what in the world? And you fast forward to 12 years old, a man named Harris Reddy came into my life. Actually, a little bit earlier than that. That's when they got married. My kids one day, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We were standing in my grandparents' living room, and it just dawned on them, wait a minute, you got two dads. And I don't remember if it was Chase or Dylan, but both of them were there. And they were like, hold on a minute. How it, we got Papa and we got Grandpa Jim and Dad, how is that possible? And I went, well, Mimi and Grandpa Jim used to be married. What? <laughs> yeah, they used to be married. And one of them just got the most sad look on their face. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, that was years ago. And I said, if the rough things that Mimi and Grandpa Jim went through had not happened, we wouldn't have Paul Paul in our life. And both of them, their face went, whoo, yeah. I mean, it was just like, yeah. I didn't know you were going to be here. That man right there is like the best Paul Paul that you could ever ask for. Right here. I got it all wrote down. I'm not putting you on the spot. So sometimes we don't make the best of choices. God lets us do life. And we look back and go, man, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But thank you, God, for using it for your glory. I am the man I am today, partly because of that man coming into our life. That is a blessing. I'm so sorry, Paul Paul, but you... <laughs> I thought I was going to be telling this story and you wasn't here. Sometimes bad things happen and God turns it for good. I thought I was going to, I was told I was going to be the fire chief of Winston-Salem Fire Department once in my life. I wasn't. That was tough. That was a tough time for me. God had a different path for me. And I promise you that I, I know God wouldn't have left me alone. But I got into ministry sooner because of the things that were coming that God was laying in front of me. If that prayer would have been answered, God's like, no, hold on. I'm going to do something in your life that's going to be amazing. And for me and Renee, we were talking about it this week. It's just mind-boggling to us, and maybe those of you that are getting to know us uh, as better or kind of having the same thought we're just in awe that we get to participate in ministry we get to do God stuff like God why have you called us some of you are going yeah we've been wondering that too why has he called you <laughs> God even takes the bad things and turns them into good things you know, this thing that we call faith. Faith is not knowing what God is going to do right this second. Faith is not expecting God to send an instant miracle. Faith is knowing that he already has. 
Faith is knowing what God has already done in our life. And we know the more we walk with him, the more we realize that he walks with us. In James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have to be intentional. I was talking to a young couple this week and I said, you have to be intentional. And I said it right in front of the husband and the wife. I said, I would give anything to go back to my much younger, beautiful wife. She's still young and beautiful. Okay, we got that clear. And show her in the early part of my marriage how much I cherished her. I didn't do a good job of that. I said, don't make the same mistake I made. Be intentional about cherishing each other. Be intentional about making sure God is in the center of your life. Because everything in this society is going to give you another choice. The devil is a master at deception and division to pull us away. You've got to be intentional. You young people right here, wake up. You young people right there, everything in life is trying to pull you away. And you have to decide at this age to be intentional. Make a choice to put God in the center of everything you do. I remember playing for Mr. Van Hoy, and, and this is because of the upbringing I had. Every time before I went up to bat, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm embarrassed to say, I, I would speed say the Lord's Prayer. Now, the sad thing is, saying the Lord's Prayer, all that did was calm me down before I went to bat. It didn't help my batting average. <laughs> but I was able to get up there. That was something that was ingrained in me because my grandparents were intentional about instilling that God needed to be in the center of everything that I did. So you got a choice, church. Me and Debbie were talking in the back, and she was telling me about something they used to do at a church she was at, like a rally of um, splitting the church up into teams and bringing people into the church and making it a game of inviting people. We got to be intentional if we want people to come to church with us. We got to be intentional if everyday life we want to share or not share. We have to be real intentional when things are good to thank God for them. Because we're really quick to go into them when things are bad. Choices. It's all about choices. Let me pray for you. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for not making us robots. We thank you for giving us a world that we live in, that we do have so many choices. And you have blessed us to be in America. We get to come to church and worship you. And there's places that they don't even get that choice. God, we just thank you for everything you've done. I pray everybody listening today has made that choice to put you in the center of their life. To make you their savior. God, we just thank you for loving us first. Help us with our choices. 
pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
joke about the devil being in the details. Matt, um, we've not had that flutter since the first time that Bobby and Holly were here. And I made a joke about, because they, uh, they had practiced, went through everything, went through a whole run through that morning, and then the flutter shows up when they were doing something beautiful. The devil doesn't want something beautiful to happen. And isn't it funny that his first time here, the flutter comes back. So that means you got to come back because the flutter hadn't been back with him. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of cool. And that song talked about putting faith in God and there's no stronger foundation. That's why the saints that are around us, they make a choice to put their trust in God and so many things can be thrown at them and they're so solid as a rock. So I hope. We all make a choice to be intentional about putting God right front and center. Pray that we have a wonderful week. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.